again, everyone, and welcome to the very first edition of the Lunch Pail Podcast. Yes, sir, we have come up with that name out of all the ones we went through, and we may change it eventually. Alongside Mike Nizelik, this is Aaron McFarling, sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. Mike, of course, is our new Virginia Tech football beat writer. Mike, welcome. We did a little welcome video on the uh, on the Facebook page, but I'd like you to take this opportunity to uh, maybe introduce yourself to people, let let people know a little bit about your background. Yeah, uh, happy to be here in the mountains. Uh, it's exciting. Never seen so many mountains. Um, I uh, grew up in the Midwest. I'm from the Chicago suburbs originally. Moved out to Michigan, spent a, a good decade there after going to Michigan State. Uh, covered everything uh, from you know legitimate college football and, and the professional teams to what every event uh, racing on the water <laughs> air air what was it red bull air races uh everything uh high school sports recruiting um but then uh focused in on college spent the last three years down in auburn covering uh the football team and basketball team down there and uh, now i'm here to cover virginia tech and i'm pretty excited about it have you ever covered a professional putt-putt tournament putt-putt no professional golf yes yeah well, i mean that's yeah. two different sports i mean putt-putt put, put, is, is yeah. legit and and, and but i mean i think is- you got to be pretty, pretty good at putt-putt to be a professional golfer, so I'd say that's so. on some level. That's the next step for all those professional putt-putt putt putt is actually closer to billiards than it is. You think so? Yes. Uh, it's not miniature golf because it's those strict bumpers uh, on yeah. putt-putt. But, well, let me, let me give people an idea of what we're doing here, and we're sort of feeling our way through this the first time. But uh, we, Mike has come up with an outline things of, of things he would like to talk about, and then we're going to close it out with a pick three. Uh, that's that's your idea. That's as my well. idea. Kind of things outside of football. You know, we'll talk football. Most of this will be geared toward football, but just you know, have fans get to know us a little bit, and they could give us their what their kind of television, movies, food. You know, just things on your mind, or you've kind of liked in the last. You know, obviously this is our first one, so uh, but in the last week, kind of going forward, just things that are on your mind a little bit. Yeah, and I, I like that idea, and I think we'll get better at it as we go, for sure. And fans might learn that gambling is all on your mind. That might be all your three, right? Every three? So, But yeah. we'll, we could talk about that. So. Yeah, well, no, there's always there's always time for gambling on the podcast, for sure. Uh, well, let's start with sort of your take on the biggest questions coming into camp, and then now that we're only about a week away from kickoff of Florida State versus Virginia Tech and Tallahassee, how many of those questions have been answered and where they are in terms of those questions? Well, yeah, you know, obviously I think the defenses and the foremost of the fans' minds, just because, you know, you're placing seven to eight starters because one's moving over, uh, Vinny Mahota's changing positions. But I think that's obviously a big question. But for me, it kind of started with the run game. What would that look like? Because the production uh, hasn't been there. And you kind of look at yards per carry. I think somebody tweeted out just even going back three years that they're one of the worst in college football in terms of their production uh, per play. And it's kind of been interesting. They lost Trayvon McMillan in the offseason as a graduate transfer. And just it doesn't look like they're looking for a guy that can carry a 20 to 25 you know, times per game. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if it's been answered, but it seems like they have a role for every guy. Looks like Steven Peoples is going to kind of be important if he can stay healthy. But it's interesting how much they've kind of stressed his role. Um, but it's interesting just that it's more specialization and more rotating guys just because of kind of the pace of play uh, than trying to find that guy that can lead you. Yeah, I've always felt like that if, if he had a, a – 
bell cow back that he really trusted. And, you know, one of those guys, the four-star recruit, the Kevin Jones type, that he would use him liberally like that. Uh, he hasn't really had that guy. And Peoples certainly is physically built for a role like that. If, you know, you want to run him into the line 40 times, you could. Um, he certainly did that in high school, and he's, he can do it in games here. But they like to mix it up. They like to see uh, different guys get in there and see if they can break something off. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who ends up being the leading rusher on this team because I think we did last year about this time. We, we tried to predict that, and uh, I got it right. I said McLeese, but uh, it wasn't until the very end that he took over. Right, and, you know, a lot of uh, fans have been getting emails what about Colbeck? Where's Colbeck? You know, what can he do? And, uh, you know, it's sort of uh, to be determined. I think a lot of freshmen are going to be on the two deep. I don't know. You know, they've got a lot of young uh, talent and running back. Jalen Holston played as a freshman. Um, and so he's going to, I think, have an increased presence and role. And, and I'm not sure, you know, uh, Coleman Fox has kind of moved. Uh, they have him working at running back and slot. So I don't know if Beck will kind of be a standout this year, but because they, they do have some guys that they have talked about, you know, McLeese and Holston, I think at the top of the list with Peoples right there is kind of the change of pace um, as being kind of the three guys they are going to rotate, at least at the start of the season. Yeah, if I had to guess, I'd say Cole Beck sees action on special teams, and that's probably it, yeah. at least for this year. But that's just a guess. And, you know, Coleman Fox, I'm excited. I'm glad you mentioned him. <laughs> it's sort of been a running joke uh, around me for the last couple of years. Coleman's a, a Salem guy. I'm, I'm always asking about him in the press conferences. Uh, I requested him last year. I was told he, he was not available to speak. But we're going to get to talk to him at media day on Sunday, and that's a real exciting moment. I'm calling it Coleman Fox Day. It's just, you're going to be right at the podium right there to ask him. Uh, and you have, I think, five minutes, so you got to make it count. Uh, so every question is going to count. Um, and, and as we look at the other kind of question, I think for me, uh, and it's going to be harder to define, um, Josh Jackson as a second-year quarterback, can he make the leap? Because I think that will, if he does that, if he's that guy, um, can kind of take away – so let that defense grow because I think your defense, it, regardless of how confident they are, there's going to be some growing pains just because of how inexperienced they are. But if Josh Jackson can be the guy that leads your offense to score 30, 35 points a game, you're going to be able to have some mistakes and you're going to be able to have some bad you know, bad games or days off where you can kind of say we got to lean on the offense a little bit. And it's interesting. I think the team has kind of talked about his confidence and his – you know composure and i think they're saying all the right things obviously we only you i mean i wasn't even here for the open practice you got to see 20 minutes so i mean that's not a lot to go on so we're kind of taking uh their word for it but obviously i think uh he's prepared for it it'll be interesting to see what we get out you know what the team gets out of him and what they what they see out of him well what's interesting is you covered him in high school i did Uh, tell us a little bit about his high school career and maybe what you learned about josh when you covered him yeah and you know it's interesting he um transferred and then went to Celine, which is a, is a big time you know football program that kind of developed in recent years uh, into kind of a perennial contender and they had him split time even though he was kind of the clear talented back they still wanted him to kind of learn a little bit because he you know he was still a young guy when I was there um, and took him to the championship game but still uh, up until almost the playoffs he was splitting time and, and it's interesting I've talked to kind of people close to him and they say that really helped him kind of get through his red shirt year here because he did get antsy by the end of that year uh, and and it was tough on him uh, to kind of sit out again. But, you know, they said that kind of helped develop him. He had a standout senior year. And you could tell um, he was, you know, his family, obviously, Fred Jackson, a longtime assistant coach in the Division One ranks, was at Michigan uh, for a lot of years. You could tell he was <laughs> born to play football or, or, you know, and raised to play football. 
Um, and you could kind of tell he had a level mentally was ahead of kind of, you know, the competitors at a high school level at a young age. Yeah, I think it's interesting that when we started with questions, you started on the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> and maybe it's the fatigue of just talking about this defense as much as we have here. But, you know, the cover story for our our tab that's coming out on Sunday is Bud Foster. Uh, and just sort of what can he work magic with this group? I've gone on record saying I think this is going to be the worst tech defense we've seen statistically in at least a decade. As we've gone along, I said that before camp started, and as we've gone along and I've heard more from Bud and I've heard more from the defensive players, you sort of get that little excitement level in you that says, well, you know, maybe there is a lot of potential here. They just need to get ramped up. Um, They've got this first game that's going to be really tough, but then they have some time to sort of – uh, figure it out. Yeah, to get to that Notre Dame game. Yeah. So, what, I mean, what are your impressions of this defense early on, and, and what what are they capable of? You know, it's interesting. I, I I just think that with you know Coach Fuente's background in offense, that you know you got to give them. And, and this team has historically been led by their defense with with Coach Foster. That if if the offense can give them some time, that's when he can work his magic. But I mean, they're not going to be great week one, and I think you're going to see that. And that's what they've kind of talked about where you kind of have a bunch of unknowns because when the players get to Tallahassee, whether those freshmen or redshirt freshmen, I typed it up. I mean, there's seven true freshmen, eight redshirt freshmen kind of looking, you're going to look at on the two deep. And that's kind of a, a crazy place to be for a coach because you just don't, there's a lot of, you know, things you don't know what these players are going to play, especially at defensive back where you look like they, you know, they got two redshirt freshmen looking like starters and then your backups, you know, some of the sophomores and guys with experience are injured. Um, and so I think you're going to be leaning on those freshmen, and I, I, that's going to be tough, I think, defensive back linebacker. I think they're going to be okay. But to, I think, to me, the biggest question mark is that secondary, especially at corner, are you guys, Are they going to – it's going to be interesting, especially against teams that maybe will pass a little later in the season. What are they going to get out of that group? Because it's just so young. Yeah, and we'll certainly break down the Florida State game more next week. But – to me, it's pretty obvious that you're going to lean heavily on this defensive line to oh, get yeah. some pressure and hope that you can at least hassle the quarterback so he can't test that secondary as often as he'd like to, right? Yeah, and, and it's interesting. You know, the guy that they haven't talked a lot about is Trayvon Hill, who led them, you know, the returning sack leader. And he hasn't been kind of mentioned. I, I asked about him. They said he's, you know, he's he's got instincts. But it, it'll be interesting. They got, they, you know, Ricky Walker, uh, Vinny Mahota on the inside, you know, Bud Foster kind of talked about that middle of the defense will be the most important. And you kind of start with Walker, then you go back to the, the linebackers and the safeties. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, can Walker set the tone? Can he be that, you know, it's interesting. Their defensive tackles can be game changers because if they require a lot of guys to block them, can Ricky Walker be that type where play in, play out, he's impacting the offensive line, changing, you know, pushing back and getting pressure? Because um, I think that'll help, obviously, set the tone um, and wear down opposing teams. But I think it's going to be hard to ask that of a guy that, you know, he's been good and he's a good player, but has never kind of been that dominant to try to be a play and play out guy that just impacts the game. Yeah, he certainly has designs on that, of, of hopes, right. hopes of that. Uh, spent a lot of time with him in Charlotte. He was one of the two representatives Texan along with Josh Jackson to Charlotte for the ACC Media Days. So I spent a, a good 45 minutes just listening to Ricky talk. 
and uh, he's you know he's a born leader man i mean he you know we talk a lot about leadership but he, this guy's been a leader since he was in middle school you know kid he was always the first kid picked people would come to him ask him questions uh so that's a good place to start if you have a lot of questions and you talk about lunch pail he well, he apparently yeah. carries that thing around yeah. like it's his uh you know <laughs> it's, it's it's everything and anything so uh he obviously defines that and and i think they need that leadership because they are so young they didn't have that this could get messy yeah. but it seems like he's kind of setting the tone leadership wise uh for this young group and i think the thing is with with text defense the expectation level just doesn't go down right you know, regardless of you know and maybe they'll 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 really recalibrate after game one and say okay we're farther away than we thought but the way they're talking now is we're going to be the same as we always are and that's not going to change and we have the expectations of being great here and we're going to be great you know like i said Worst defense statistically in a decade, that's all relative. I mean, I think the worst they've been in, in total defense, which is only one measure of defense, is like 54th in the last decade. So even if you're 60th, 65th, I mean, you're competitive defense with an offense we and think could be good. And that was my point. You know, if your offense, if this is the best offense that Coach Fuentes had, you know, since he had Paxton Litch rolling in Memphis, you can make up for some of that. You can have a defense that's in that 60 to 70 range. Let some teams, you know, and especially if you're Ben don't break, like if they can be good in the red zone or kind of, um, you know, lock teams down scoring wise, but still, I mean, if you allow a ton of yardage or make some mistakes, you could still do some other things for some turnovers. Um, they just have to do enough, especially if this offense with a returning quarterback, because I think your expectations are different when you have a returning starter, or quarterback that you kind of say, look, this team's going to roll with the offense. This team's going to roll by scoring points. Um, and, and it's different, but I think that's what they'll have to do, especially early in the year. I don't think you can lean on this defense if you're, you know, you're at Florida State, it's fourth and one, and you need to stop. That's going to be a tough spot to be for a group that's never done that before. Right, right. Well, uh, let's get into some breakout candidates, shall we? Uh, who are some guys that are or maybe one guy or, or more who is on your list of possible breakout guys? Yeah, I had a couple. We'll start with the offensive line. Uh, Silets, I guess it's Danzy or Jan, Jan Z now. They, they was it a J pronunciation now. They changed it. And I'm still learning pronunciation, so I apologize to everybody. No, it's okay. We, we can be uh, patient. But, you know, they, they've ch- changed the offensive line outlook. They had a returning starter, and then they put him in, and he's kind of run with it since the spring. I think that's interesting at tackle, especially such an important position. You have a guy that started all last year on one side, then they move him over. Uh, for Silas and I think that's an interesting spot um, you know to have him be your anchor now and he was a guy that didn't start last year so I I thought that was interesting that they're putting that much faith in him to be kind of the guy on the offensive line that that slides in well I'll go uh, outside and I'll say Damon Hazleton I think that's a pretty obvious choice but the transfer from Ball State uh, he walked in here for his his media session and you and I were both here that day and you know he's very physically imposing and impressive uh, and all the guys talk about what a beast he is. I'm anxious to see him work because I know they've been looking for sort of a go-to guy uh, on those 50-50 balls like they had with Isaiah Ford, like they had with Bucky Hodges, and they, they didn't really have last year. So, I mean, I mean, they had Cam Phillips, but he's not really that type of, of go up and, and, and beat them on 50-50s with your length and height. Um, and Hazleton could give them that. And, you know, that's – that's a thing where, you know, Josh Jackson talked about it last year after the the West Virginia game, where there were many situations where he didn't know what to do with the ball. He just threw it to Cam. You know, he just, I'm going to throw it up to Cam and hope for the best. And a lot of times Cam made it work. Um, 
if Hazleton can fill that role this year, that's a big, big deal for this offense. Yeah, I think Trey Turner, a guy wide receiver that's got, the coaches have talked about a little bit and said he's kind of could be that special player. I don't know if he'll be a breakout candidate and, and be a guy that takes over, but as a freshman, guy that might contribute, uh, a spe- you know, a true freshman, it'll be interesting to see what his kind of role is and how he develops just because they're looking for talent at that position. And so I think they're going to be rotating quite a bit too with guys and trying to – so if he stands out, maybe he gets an increased role as the season goes on. But I think it'll be interesting. Um, on defensive side of the ball, I think you're looking at – obviously everybody's talking about Dax, and I, I, I've got a story coming on him soon. And uh, everything you hear about him is he's going to be an immediate kind of impact player. Uh, and he's on the two deep, I think, for sure as a backup. It'd be interesting to see what he does. But I think the guy that I, I, I'm interested to see, Divine Diablo, and I guess that's yeah. right, I, you know, um, huge yes. <laughs> for a guy in the secondary, was injured, uh, but was basically, you know, a special team standout his first year and was on the track to being kind of a, a really that breakout candidate last year until he had an interception, he broke his foot on it. Right. Um, just his size, I think, you know, They've talked about kind of getting him back and trying to work him into it just because of the injury he had. But uh, just you see that kind of size, and he could be a special player just because you don't see that in the secondary, and, I, and that kind of stood out to me. Yeah, I, I wrote this a week ago or something. But, there, you know, there are guys that you see for the first time and you say that's an NFL body. Uh, certainly Tremaine Edmonds was the, fir- the first time I saw Tremaine Edmonds. I didn't know who he was, and I asked uh, some of the other reporters who were there, I said, who is that? And they said, that's Tremaine Edmonds. I said, why isn't he playing? <laughs> uh, they're like, well, he's just you know just a young buck. Uh, and, of course, he became a, a, a first-round draft pick. I'm not saying Diablo is going to necessarily become a first-round draft pick, but you just look at him physically, and like you said, there's a lot you can do just with physical ability that other people can't do. So I think that's a really good good choice. Who do you think will be the top running back? I mean, do you think it'll be McLeese? I can, you know, I guess McLeese, unless uh, Holston really kind of uh, has a breakout, it seems like McLeese is the guy. They, they haven't said differently. I mean, I think uh, Peoples is going to be an interesting case. How much do they go to him? Because um, they said, you know, they want him to be healthy, so they're going to use him sort of judiciously uh and like you said not not pound him into the, the the tackles every play but i think mcleese is kind of the guy that you kind of say he looks like he's good and you know he had a good strong obviously camping world bowl and kind of set the tone for himself to try to have a good spring and he did by all indications but I, you know i just don't see them having a back that's going to average maybe more than 15 carries a game and that's why so I, I think it's going to be Maybe he has a 100-yard game here and there, but I don't think it's going to be a case where you have that guy that's a 1,000-yard rusher. Or at least that's the way they've made it sound right now. Yeah, I don't think so either. And one guy lurking in the background a little bit is Terrius Wheatley, mm-hmm. uh, redshirt freshman. You know, he was a track guy in, in, in high school. Uh, he has some of those breakaway capabilities, you would think. Uh, he hasn't been talked about a ton this preseason. The but only thing they mentioned the other day uh, was kick returner, that he's kind of in yeah. the mix there. Um, and so you kind of he'll see the field um, and, and certainly in special teams. But how much running back wise, they've, they've kind of been playing it close to the vest, kind of behind that top group, like what rotation they're going to have behind those three. You know, and especially in the first four weeks when you have some of the lesser opponents, what are those who's going to be the guy that's after that first the first string? You know, who's going to get the, the second half carries? And I think it'll be interesting to see, especially when you get to, to that, you know, week two, week three. Yeah, as frustrating as it can be waiting on the two deep, which we won't get until next Wednesday. We get that Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. And, and and sort of the close, as you mentioned, the close to the vest way that they, they play a lot of things, not being able to see practice and things like that. We will get the payoff 
on Labor Day. You know, we will get yeah. to see all of this and we will be able to make some sense of all of it. Um, let's go to the next topic. Um, anything stand out to you in camp outside of the topics we've talked about already? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, we, you know, uh, Auburn, where I previously was at, plays things obviously very close to the vest. They have very limited uh, opportunities to see the team. Virginia Tech allows a little more uh, interviews with players. They've they've really opened that up, and all the assistant coaches we've talked to talked to Bud a couple of times. But just how little we saw of practice. You know, you're really going on what they say, and and you you know you saw 20 minutes, and it was just mainly stretching and and you know not really you know team drills, 11 on 11 stuff. So just how much unknown. <laughs> I mean, you really you open the season, you're kind of trying to speculate. Uh, in an informed manner by things you've asked the coaching staff and things you've heard. But it's really, you know, it'll be interesting. You're opening the season essentially starting from scratch the same way uh, the fans are, the having just, you know, seen the things. Um, just how little you kind of see of the team in the fall camp. Um, it's just going to be, uh, it's interesting, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I am looking forward to media day because the, the opportunity to talk to guys off the podium because some of them will be in this back gym over here. We're, we're actually taping this at Castle Coliseum right now. But uh, there'll be opportunities to sort of ask follow-up questions, get a little deeper into the guy, the minds of the guys. Uh, you know, it's not the boxers or briefs crap that you see at Super Bowl right. Media Day, but it is like, you know, actual questions about them growing up and who they are. So I enjoy that. I do enjoy that aspect of it a lot. So Coleman um, Fox be ready is basically what you're saying. <laughs> well, Coleman... The thing about Coleman, I mean, he's a second-generation tech player. You know, his father played under Frank. And, and you know, Coleman is, is, you know, Salem football, as you'll come to learn as you, as, you, as you live here longer, is the biggest deal outside of tech and UVA probably. I mean, it, it, Salem football is a really big deal for people around here. And there's a lot of people wondering where Coleman fits in all this. And he's, you know, worked in the slot. He got some, uh, you know, low – leverage time at running back last year and did well with it um and every time he was in there i just thought well he looks good you know i don't, I don't know what what he's missing to get a little more opportunity but um you know maybe that's maybe that's in the cards this year we'll see yeah well you get to talk to him you get to ask him what he's what he's thinking and how he's feeling and um but no, the other thing obviously i think that's that you know uh i knew the reputation but just how much special teams matter here is just different than other places you don't get uh a lot of you know special teams talk um and that's been it's just it is an emphasis here and we talked to oscar bradburn the punter uh he's a fun guy he's a little older obviously aussie and just uh just he talked about how the older guys want to play special teams you don't get that everywhere and and just how important it is to the identity of the program and that's sort of been fun to see just kind of just how much it matters because it's you know it, it it's not that way every other place and you know the thing justin did uh, fuente with the number 25 jersey i thought that was I thought kind of that maybe helped him set the tone for the transition, uh, and it was such a unique thing and a smart thing, and just how that's kind of carried over to the whole team. I think you know you, you talk about fall camp, you don't necessarily think about special teams, but that's that that is an emphasis here that isn't in other places. You know what's funny is at the end of Beamer's tenure, you know, as the seasons became mediocre instead of good to great, uh, you know, it became a sore spot with fans when when. ESPN or others would just sit there and harp on special teams and Beamer ball and how good it all was because quite frankly, it, it got pretty stagnant on special teams. Mm -hmm. You know, the special teams 
slipped. Um, and I think it's interesting that, that they've sort of been revived, in fact. It's not, it's not as much a continuation of the tradition, I don't think, as a revival mm. of the tradition under Fuente. And certainly it, it matters, like you said, what, what Bradburn said today is, is telling. If, if older guys want to play, um, well. you know, usually it's sort of just your, your rite of passage passage to a different role. you graduate out yeah, of it you yeah, graduate. yeah but uh so yeah i, I i'm it, what do you think of the kicker i mean the kickers the, yeah it's still competition yeah. and, and you know you talk about and that there is significant turnover you know it just so happens that they all replacing you know with transfers with the kick returners uh punt returner graduate stroman i mean obviously was one of the best to do it right i mean and, and it sounded like I, I didn't get to see much of him but just a real dynamic i mean scored each of the last three years was one of the only players in the country that had multiple special teams touchdowns last year so you talk about turnover new long snapper uh you know it, it sounds other than punter you're talking about a whole new unit and so i think there's some uh, and you know, with with Coach Fuente, they recruiting athletes in a way that I think it makes it a little exciting when you have a new returner, a new punt returner. Are you going to get that guy that's special? You know, I grew up uh, a Chicago Bears fan, and, and through the years, you know, when they got Devin Hester, a guy that I think will eventually be in the Hall of Fame, he, he was he changed the game. And, and you know, do you have that special guy, a punt returner? Can you have somebody that look? teams are going to kick away from or teams are scared of them it really does make a difference if you have that kind of game changer and with your and when you're recruiting athletes to be that uh, i think it does kind of the, the excitement's a little bit there because you kind of like man can you know damon hazelton do that on special teams even if he can't catch the ball 10 times a game or or be that breakout receiver can he do that for kick returns you know and it'll be interesting because i think there's some obviously you don't know what they're going to look like and i think that creates some excitement maybe we have that player you know may, you know fans are saying that all right, you want to get to the pick three? Pick three. Uh, you want to start or you want me to start? You start. Since I'll it's start. Your, it's your game. Well, we can I'm go back and forth. Right. Uh, well, I'll do, I'll do, I'll do two first because they're both food. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm obviously tran- living here in kind of a hotel <laughs> right now until we get the family settled in next month. Uh, so, obviously, that means a lot of eating out uh, and, you know, can't, can't do fast food every night. Uh, so, two places I've gone to and just really uh, – uh, top notch blacksburg tap house i've really enjoyed there and uh that jack brown's beer and burger joint in roanoke i've been to twice and i'm they have like a uh uh, a club type of thing where it's 100 beers you can try and i think you get like your picture on the wall which sounds interesting because you get to try everything but those two places uh i've really enjoyed have you eaten at either of them i've never eaten it either yeah burgers i'm a burger guy so they're really really good burgers jack brown's a little more you know kind of hole in the wall i think it's newer in, in roanoke um, but yeah, I really uh, have enjoyed eating at those places in the last couple of weeks. Well, I discovered Sidewinders. Uh, we went to the David Lee Murphy concert over the summer, my wife and I, and I just enjoyed the hell out of it. I could not. I, it's been years since I went to a concert, and I don't know if you're familiar with David Lee Murphy at all, but uh, Dust on the Bottle, you know, back <laughs> in 90s country. Uh, but he was fantastic. His new album is great, but that place was really good. Uh, so what's Sidewinders? T- it's just downtown. It's a honky-tonk, essentially, and uh, they bring in actually fairly – uh, reputable acts of country, also music, country music, music acts. Uh, restaurant type uh, of venue. Yeah, they have a concert series, and uh, I had never taken advantage of of any of their you know their good concerts, but I, I recommend it. Uh, another restaurant I recently tried that is embarrassing and I had never tried before is Montano's in Roanoke. Montano's. Uh, Montano's is okay. a you know is a legendary place in town. You know they have the biggest menu you'll ever see, and a lot of times I figure, well, if you're doing this many things, you can't do them all well. You know you're probably not specializing enough. 
That's that wasn't the case, man. I had a, a cheesesteak there, and it was it was top notch, man. I, I I'm looking forward to my next visit to that place. And beyond food, my third, we'll do three and a half because it's two TV. So I'm you know obviously I have two kids, uh, four and five, so they're not here right now. So I have more free time obviously than I normally would because uh, really that's the full time job. And this is the, the, you know my my wife's going to get here and she said you've been on vacation for a month now you can actually get back to work. Um, but uh, I've been watching uh, Castle Rock on Hulu. I don't know if you know anything about that. It's I a don't. Stephen King themed show because nice. a lot of his books are set in the city Castle Rock. Right. And so it's sort of about the city. It's a, it's a uh, original show, but it has a lot of references to his books i haven't read i'm not the most uh in-depth stephen king fan i've read uh, some of his stuff and obviously seen some of the adaptations but it's very good and the recent episode uh it's like a 10 episode season it was like the seventh episode of the season was the best of of the season and one of the better tv hours of tv i've seen this year sissy spacek who was carrying stephen king's adaptation years ago is a, a mother in the show, a wife, and uh, was just tremendous. So that was sort of on the mind just because I had watched it, what, two nights ago. And so they're releasing it weekly. So the whole season will have been posted by, what, the end of the, end of the month, basically. So wow. I'd and recommend Hulu? That. I don't have Hulu. Hulu. Yeah, so I do all the stream. Don't. We don't have, and obviously with no house, how can you have cable? So basically I'm relying on Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu as my source of sort of to the outside world. Okay. Well, I'm a big King fan. I've so re- if you're a big I've, King fan. I've yeah. read probably 20 of his books uh at least the sheriff from needful things is one of the main characters this season it's going to be a anthology with some of the characters carrying over but a unique story each year but yeah if you're a stephen king fan it's got references to cujo because i think that was one that was in uh that town and so just a lot of different things so it's very good okay i'll give you a tv one uh in the previous iteration of this podcast i was always told i needed to watch game of thrones and i finally did yes um uh, however i have not watched the last episode uh, for some reason, I've gotten all the way up until the very, very last episode in, in season seven, I guess it is. Yeah. Yeah. And there's still another season, though. So Right. Yeah. Then that's, I think, not even until next year. Right. Year. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. at least the ones that have been out. Yeah. yeah, yeah I've yeah. watched every and I've loved it. I mean, just like everybody else who's watched it, they love it. And I loved it. But I can't bring myself to watch the last one. I think there's some sort of um, anxiety about giving it up you know like being like i don't want to be done with this yeah you know i know there's more coming but i don't i don't want i want to always have this sort of in the holster i mean i could say i don't have time but that's not true you know when you say you don't have time that just means it's not a priority for right, me, and right. it's not a priority for me um so i that's a little weird but yeah the i don't have to tell anybody how good that series is um you mentioned books. I mean, as Stephen King, I, I, I'm trying to branch out. This is one thing I've tried to do recently: is read Ernest Hemingway. Mm. I, have you I did read not a lot expect that on pick three. Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> have you tried? Is, to have you heard Hemingway? of him? Is he a guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I tweeted out. I read The Sun Also Rises. That was the first Hemingway book I'd ever read, yeah. and I didn't get it. I mean, I was like, "What? This is boring. Nothing's happening. You know, I don't. You know, I don't understand what what the, what's all the hype about." I got another book called The Snows of Kilimanjaro. Mm-hmm. And and other stories, and it's short stories by Ernest Hemingway. I like this a lot better. Um, some of them I don't get, but you know the you know the symbolism or whatever. But but some of them, you know, they're they're pretty gripping in terms of. Uh, you know the depth of them but i like that you're putting in the work that you didn't like the first one but you didn't stop you didn't let that that deter you you went you you put your head down and you did it you 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 went back well what's interesting is when i tweeted that out the criticism of the sun also rises i expected to get nothing but hate Mm. you know but actually there were a lot of people said yeah i didn't like that book either but but give these other books a chance um and 
you know, and I do like his writing style. I mean, every every journalist probably loves his writing style. It's 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 terse and it's you know unadorned and and very nice to uh, to you know it's it's easy to read and it, and it moves. It's yeah. got pacing to it. Uh, and I've always in my in my own writing, I've always tried to have good pacing at least. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm not going to become a you know a Papa Hemingway devotee. <laughs> I don't think. But, but uh, at least I'll have two books in the can from him, and I can say that. But you could say he did it, and you gave it a good good try. Yeah, I'm not. I don't go back and read like classics. I, I never could get through those in school. I mean, I'm more of a contemporary sort of. I read a lot of guys that used to be newspaper writers, and that's not surprising. Uh, Michael Conley is a guy that covered crime for years and does obviously uh his series of novels based on harry bosch a detective and uh you know it's just that he has that style that i mean obviously a newspaper writer so i mean right. very appropriate i suppose but i don't know if i could get through hemingway at this point in my life uh i don't think i could do it so yeah good, good I, on you when i think classics i think like jane Eyre. yeah yeah I'm, I'm not reading I, that yeah, crap yeah. i mean you know this is not this is some you know 40 year old female English teacher forcing me to read this about, uh, you know, yeah. John Weatherly and or his, Walt Whitman or something yeah, like that. I mean, yeah. But um, yeah, well, uh, I guess I've done three, but I I'll do one more. I, I've realized that I've become a sitcom dad in every way. <laughs> this morning it hit me cause I got up, I get up at like five forty five now yeah. and at six thirty, my daughter comes trundling down the stairs after, you know, and she looks like, you know, cat, dragged her in and, <laughs> and i just look up from my coffee and i said well hello there welcome to the land of the living and that is a statement that i would never say like yeah. who says that you so know who says you that like mr drummond or you know yeah, some, yeah. some or you know uh stephen keaton might say that yeah. you know on family ties but uh so yeah, I have these schmaltzy talks with my daughter about things I don't care about. In you the have the room, very you know, special these episode. First world problems, you know. <laughs> uh, oh no, someone didn't like me. Whatever. Um, so yeah, all that's missing is a, is a laugh track to, to prop up some all my bad jokes. But other than that, I've got the sit that sitcom dad thing down. Well, your kids are a little older than mine. Mine are four and five, so ours are just it's more just like a wrestling show where it's just people getting hit with chairs and, and diving off. Uh, High spaces, so uh, it's a little different kind of a sitcom. It's more of a just slapstick comedy. You must be enjoying this vacation, then. I mean, just I, I mean, I'm not going to say that publicly because I will <laughs> literally get in trouble if my wife listens to this. I will be forced well, to. It, it's like it's going to be punishment when they get here. It's going to be like you've had your right. your little your little fun. Now right. it's you got to you know you got to get up with them and you got to do this. You got to do that. So I'm expecting uh, things to get much, much worse. Well, and you do have an excuse. I mean, you're trying to get acclimated here. You've got to put, yeah, you've no. got to put in double time, you know, to try to catch Absolutely. up and all that. So, uh, there's, but I, she's not going to, that's not going to be, an excuse to <laughs> no, fly. No. that's not going to, as be, a married man, I know. And I you know, know. I, yeah. It's I know how it is. And they're so, they're in that stage where it's just, they're, they're a handful. You know, you got different problems. Like you said, when you're old, they're older, they still require a lot of effort, but it's just a different kind of effort. You know, you're not physically, right like literally don't do that right. you will not survive that that's not what your 10 year olds doing right i hope not at least mm, not most of the time that's correct yes. <laughs> that happens like when they start to drive then you have to worry it's like right it's, then right. it's like oh my gosh but uh yeah it's uh it's it's intense so. okay well do you want to talk about what we're going to talk about next week well we got a lot next week because like we've hinted at the depth chart so we have media so for a little inside baseball for fans media days on sunday we're going to get to talk to players, coaches, 
Uh, Coach Funchai won't do another media session at all next week other than the ACC teleconference. And before that, on Wednesday, we will get the depth chart. So we'll have that uh, on the website and then in, uh, in the paper on Thursday. Are you excited? Is this like Christmas for you? It is because chart? you can can start speculating and here's what it is, right? Except I remember one year we got it at Auburn and there was like 15 to 17 like ores. So it's <laughs> just like, well, what's <laughs> right. the point? It's like right. then there's no there's no but it, it is big. We'll have season opening predictions uh, as we get a little closer here. Kind of got to do, you know, you're, I'm so focused on learning Virginia Tech. I haven't even looked at what's going on at Florida State. Um, and so that'll be fun to kind of do in the next week or here. And then we'll kind of talk about what our predictions are for, uh, I think they might be in the paper beforehand. I got to look up what I put. But season records, uh, what are kind of expectations for the, for the season? Okay. Well, there's a question I got to ask you before we go, and sure. I haven't asked you yet. Uh, what is your stance on the Simpsons? Simpsons? I I mean, I watched, I mean, and it's in, it was in syndication for years, and I'd watched two episodes a day. So, like, the first ten years, I probably know every episode. Okay. But after that, I mean, oh, I have not need... watched a new episode. Because, you know, you're on Sundays, it's we had no, media no. availability. So, I haven't been, uh, um, I haven't watched a new Simpsons episode in probably a decade. Oh, but... you or me both. I mean, it's a different show now. So yeah, as long as you're familiar with... But the first era, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. No, All absolutely. Right. We can be friends. Okay. So. And I know yeah. your stance on gambling, and it's a good one. So, yes, and I'm sure maybe, maybe we can add that segment. You could pick your your three games or something, or oh, yeah, or sure. do do because uh, now I mean it's now people are going to be looking for that information or, or tips or, or uh, you know it's it's funny that Atlantic City they just opened one at the Harrows that I frequent up there. Uh, they still haven't opened one in uh, a sports book in at Cherokee yet. That's which is the closest casino to us, other than the ones yeah. in West Virginia. But I guess. They'll be coming in West Virginia. So, and to hear a coach today, Coach Fuente uh, talked about it. To hear him talk about legalized gambling and gambling, and talk about that in relation to like injury reports, it's a whole new era because you know coaches just didn't want to say the word because obviously it's it was negative connotations and conferences didn't like it. But now it's like it's a whole new. It'll be interesting, especially in in a year, what this is all going to look like. Because you could have standardized injury reports and things like that. You know what I found interesting about Fuente's response to that question about injury reports? And it wasn't phrased as in terms of gambling. Yeah, uh, yeah. Norm, Norm Wood asked it from, from Newport News. He was just asking whether he thought those were good or not, you know, to have injury reports. And Fuente said, well, the, you know, probably the reason they're out there is for gambling. And, and he said, I don't really know much about the whole situation. And it sounded very similar to me to when John Swafford, the commissioner of the ACC, gave his address in Charlotte. Um, he was asked about the gambling thing, and he basically said the same thing. I don't know enough about gambling. I don't know much about gambling. I, my thought is here, you guys, it's here. You know, you need, you need to know. Yeah, did you not prepare for this inevitability? Because everybody knew it was coming. It's, it's uh, yeah, here. It was, yeah. And, and, and. You know, you need to be. You need to have people talking to your players about what to do if somebody comes up to you and, and has wants information. That, right. You know, you, these these are conversations that need to take place. Um, and I'm not saying that you know Fuente's completely blown that off. He's probably got people working on that. But it just the responses have been surprising to me that they haven't been more, uh, I guess, proactive on this whole front of saying like we we need to get out ahead of this, make sure we don't have any issues with our program. Right. And then you know if people want to gamble, that's their business. Uh, but we're not going to do it here. We're not going to talk about that other than well, and know, it has been staggering cards. just the different leagues how different leagues are embracing it and not. And obviously the NCAA with the amateur issue and everything else, it's sort of different, but. Um, 
just now with the like you know, say injury reports or something tangible that they're going to have to discuss and nobody's going to want to be first because you don't want you know especially if you're having an out of conference game uh you you to be a conference that mandates injury reports and go against a team that doesn't because you like he said he wants an even playing field and how those things play out in the next year or two will be kind of fascinating because like you're going to see it, a lot of states you know some states it won't be legal but like I'll, ours yeah but uh, you know um bordering states and, and you know things where it's in, within driving distance they're, they're it's going to happen and you're going to have those sports books a lot more prevalent than they were just in vegas no question all right well i guess that'll about do it for today lunch pail podcast episode number one in the books i think yes sir we'll see you guys next week.